Welcome, Welcome back, back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan, and welcome to Rational Tuesday. What is Rational Tuesday? Well, it's the day after Overreaction Monday. You had the last 24 hours to get your overreactions out about the Eagles. The only one by three. Galen Hurts can't run the ball 17 times a game. Jonathan Gannon sucks, which might not actually be an overreaction. But they're all fair. Let's take a step back, though. And breathe for a second. The Eagles are 1-0. They're playing in front of Detroit's first sellout since 2019. Coming off a great performance on hard knocks. They're jacked up. This was their Super Bowl. Birds are up by 17 twice. The offense scored 31. A.J. Brown is the truth. Lane Johnson called it an ugly win. And sometimes in the NFL, you need to win ugly. We have a good show for you today. Later, Colin Thompson, current Panther tight end, former Temple University tight end, and founder of Not For Long Media will be on. But first, let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. Kev, happy Rational Tuesday to you and yours, to all who celebrate. Yeah. Anything you want to uh, add to my opener? No, I thought that was a good opener, man. It's great to be with you on a rational Tuesday. Uh, you know, I like to think every day a crossing broad is rational is a rational day. You know, rational. Yeah, you Monday. get it out. You get it out on Monday. I was thinking uh, yeah. all day. Yeah. I was thinking about, hey, is this team actually going to be good? Are we going to have another, you know, down season and whatnot? When we thought there was going to be an all star team or a dream team or whatnot, but then you look at Fanduel today, and Fanduel has them as the fourth best shot to uh, to win the Super Bowl. So you know what? I got to I got to take what Vegas has given me. Yeah, I mean, at the risk of sounding like a gatekeeper, you know, I think we have to kind of like block off how how we behave and how we respond after these Eagle Eagles games. You know, first of all, uh, I'm ready to burn Twitter to the ground during the game. I think I just got to get off Twitter during uh, during the games. I was arguing with some dipshit like burner account the entire game. I'm like, what am I doing here? I got stuff to write. You know, I got better things to focus on, spend my time with, you know, Uh, dog profile, no profile or profile picture of kids. No profile picture of like a coach, you know, okay. like a Penn State coach or something. But uh, I, you know, I, I and I've said plenty of times before. I think that 15 minutes after an Eagles game, I think social media should lock. I get you. Everybody should be locked out, and you should have to go outside and you should have to like, uh, you know, smoke take, a cigarette or vape or or uh, you know, take throw, a walk around the block maybe. Throw in a maybe. fatty and yeah. yeah. Do spend time with your children or your wife or your girlfriend. No, no, no. You spend enough time with your children and your and your wife on Saturday. That's (laughs) what you do. That so you can watch football on Sunday. That's the whole point, you know. Go see these dudes walking. I went to the. So I went to the. uh, You'd appreciate this. I went to the Upper Gwynedd Carnival on Saturday night. Okay. And the dads walking around, they all had like Eagles and Union and Sixers Mm -hmm. and Phillies jerseys on. They're just like. You could tell they were just like, man, I don't want to be here. I'm just ready for football to start tomorrow. It's like my last hurrah, wife and kids hurrah before the. uh, before the season starts, but uh, yeah, man, I guess you get that you you got to be you got to be positive and happy about the win, man. And then on you Monday do. you can come back and bitch about it a little bit. Tuesday you come back around forty eight hours, like all right, you know, like just need more of that. We need more of that, Peg, and we need we need pragmatism. We need impartiality. We need rational rational thinking. I, like I know those concepts are hard to uh, you know to come by in Philadelphia, but you, me. Uh, Jamie Lynch, E Rock, we've been E-Rock, pushing. Okay. We've been pushing the glass half full all week long. I feel like we got to do the Grover. Do you know who Grover Norquist is? I only know who Grover the trash uh, thing from Sesame Street is. Oh, that was Oscar the Grouch. Oh, wasn't well, there a Grover? There's a Grover. <laughs> I think he's blue for purple. Yeah, yeah, he's the blue guy. I don't really know what he does in Sesame Street, but Grover Norquist was the guy who 
kept a blacklist of all the Republicans who voted to increase your taxes, you know, and like, you know, would truly like unleash this and be like, well, you're this guy you're voting for. He, you know, voted to increase taxes or whatever. We should just write down a list of everybody who's like Positadelphia in the media versus like the just like the knee jerk negadelphia. There's There's Grover. There's Grover. Without Grover Norquist. So was this more like a so like. (laughs) Do we have so we can carve our own niche of just being the pragmatic, rational place to go if you yeah. want to be here for Rational Tuesday? Because I mean, yeah. just think about the teams that lost in Week One that were picked to win the Super Bowl in the last uh, two weeks to a month: Packers, yeah. 49ers, Bengals, Cowboys, Rams. Saints clawed back to beat the the Falcons by one, and every, that was the sexy yeah. Super Bowl pick. Yeah. This team is going to be completely night and day from where it is, not just week 16, but week four, week five. Dak Prescott goes down with an injury. We're picked to win the division now. Like I said, we're fourth best to win the Super Bowl. Just just breathe. Like we yeah. said, go touch grass, go smoke a cigarette. We weren't even a running team by this time last year. I mean, I, I just... Namaste. I, now, I do have a question. And I think this one's the only fair one I had in my opening. What did you think of the defense? Is it a Jonathan Gannon problem? Was it a matchup problem? There was this picture going around of this wide nine bullshit that I saw. Um, We know with your speed, you could have hit that hole very easy. What'd you think? (laughs) Is it, here we go. Here's the, like, look at this wide nine, Luis Castillo, whatever bullshit that was going on here. DeAndre Swift. I don't know if this was the 50 yard run or not, but we saw you in the charity game, bro. You could get through this. What'd you, what'd you think of the whole Jonathan Gannon stuff? Is it fair or is it kind of like, we got to let it play out. You, you talk about Juan Castillo, right? You said Luis Castillo. Is, doesn't he oh, yeah. play for the Yankees or something? No, Luis Castillo. He was, uh, wasn't he, didn't he, wasn't he with the Diamondbacks? <laughs> I play, I uh, may have played for a bunch of teams, but I, 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 yes, I'm looking at this picture now. And I think that Jim Washburn, Jim uh, Washburn who, I, yeah. who I think recently passed, didn't he die? If he died, then rip. And if he didn't, then I apologize. See, but, him um, and Howard Mudd were always the same person to me. I know Howard died. Oh, Howard Mudd. You know, Howard Mudd was the offensive line guy. I'm sorry. Howard yeah. Mudd passed. Jim Washburn is still alive. Dave, I, I if we could find out if Jim Washburn's alive or not, we'll, we'll talk about this picture right now. What do you think about this whole Jonathan Gannon defense? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, he was all over the place in the first game, for sure. I, I, you know, one of the things that a lot of people were talking about, the main talking point was obviously Jordan Davis's usage. He only played 22 out of 69 snaps. And when you went back and you looked at the data from pro football focus and, um, you know, we have access actually now this year to Sport Radar um, at Crossing Broad and ESNY, so we were able to kind of look at that data at the same time too. The difference between you know four man fronts and five man fronts, and you know, you know how many how many yards they were giving up per rush when he was on the field, and not surprisingly, I mean they they defended the run much better with their massive first round draft pick nose tackle. No shit, you know. Um, so and you know Nick Sirianni did say something that I thought was interesting too. I, you know when they. When the Lions were down 17 twice, um, they didn't ab- abandon the run. Yeah, I think like we're all conditioned to think that when you get down, you just start chucking it, right? But they kept they kept running the ball. Maybe they just caught the Eagles and in, in more often than not, you know, in some past past deployments defensively where they had a light front. Um, but I, you know, I think more than anything, Kyle, it's like like Fletcher Cox is not getting any younger, man. And like Javon Hargrave's got a lot on his shoulders too. I just don't think there was a lot of individual strong performances from those guys on the front too. You know, I mean like Brandon Graham's not any, not getting any younger. Josh sweat. You paid him some money. He needs, need more from him. 
I'd have to go back more and look. Maybe somebody else has done the film study at this point, but how they use Hassan Reddick. Because I don't remember his name being called. You're exactly right. I did want to see that. I saw some Hassan Reddick and even Josh Sweat. Like They dropped back into coverage. And and I remember reading this article, uh, and I've obviously followed Hassan Reddick because he played for Temple, but I remember reading this article when he was on the the Cardinals. And he had seven and a half sacks in his first three seasons. And there was that breakout year where he had 12 and a half. And they were like, why do you have 12 and a half? And I don't know if they fired the D.C., of Arizona, or they just completely revamped the defense. But he was basically like, uh, they let me go after the quarterback now, and I don't have to drop back into coverage. And there were some times where Jonathan Gannon had him and Josh Sweat dropping back into coverage. And it makes sense because I think they were 31st in sacks last year. I I just, I don't understand why you pay all this money for a defensive end. Jim Washburn confirmed alive, 72 years old, going strong. Congratulations. Did I, kill two, did I kill two people in this podcast already? That's so bad for Howard me. Howard Mudd, confirmed dead. Okay, so you got oh. we're, we're, we're batting 50% <laughs> right now. But go Howard back to Mudd. Hassan That's Reddick. It. Like, yeah. we got to – why is he – why why is he dropping into coverage? Just let the guy go get the ball. You, you, you yeah. call him, he, he, on his profile, I think he says he's like a Swiss Army knife. That's his position. He's not a defensive end. He's not a linebacker. He's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Go let your Swiss Army knife go after the quarterback. Well, and I get that. I, I understand, too, like a story within a story here is like, you know, the big, big topic coming into the season was that, you know, well, even last season, Jonathan Gannon kept telling everybody, I don't have a scheme. I don't have a scheme. I don't have a scheme. And so we were talking, you know, you remember when we had John McMullen on a couple of weeks ago and he thought the three, four, four, three topic was overrated because, you know, the, the, the kind of the buzzword, it's not really new, but it's kind of like, like made it into the mainstream this year, but the Eagles, the defense buzzword is multiple, right? So they're going to show we're, we're multiple. What does that mean? They're going to show multiple fronts. You know, they're going to show three, three, five. They're going to show four, two, five. They're going to show five down linemen. They're going to have, you know, Jordan Davis as a double a gap run stuffer. So to call them anything as a base is kind of a misnomer, right? You know, so, Regardless, if you're going to show a bunch of different things, you still got to have guys doing what they're best at, you know? So whether you're playing five down line, whether you're playing some five, two overhang or whether you got some kind of like three, three, five odd stack going on there, like Hassan Reddick is a pass rusher, man. That's what he's good at. That's what he's always been good at. So you can say you're multiple and you can do a bunch of different deployments, but within those, within that framework, like Hassan Reddick's got to be rushing the quarterback, you know, Jordan Davis has to be stuffing the run. Like you still got to, you you can do a lot of different things with your formation, but you still have to have people doing what they are best at it, or else you're just not, you're just not maximizing it. You know, Vic Fangio was at training camp a lot this year. Yeah. Which was an interesting topic. And people like to point that out. I think that's probably a little bit of an overrated kind of thing though, because a lot of people show up at these camps. There's a lot of ideas that are shared. There's a lot of talking. There's always constant communication between, you know, mentors and former coaches and current coaches and former players and current players. And, I just, I just don't think – I think the thing that bothered me the most was, okay, so they come out we, – we were sold this whole thing all summer long, Pagan, about the – well, the Eagles aren't tackling. They're not hitting. They're not going to be ready for this game, you know. Defense comes out. They get run over on their first series, okay. Eagles come back and score 21 unanswered points. The defense gets three three and outs and a pick six. Mm-hmm. And you can say that Jared Goff just totally missed TJ Hawkinson there because he's running – Baldy broke this down. He's running a stick nod route, you know, five to seven yards, plant, turn, look for the ball, and then go back upfield. They were off. They were off. They were not on the same page there. But if Kaiser White doesn't get his hand on that pass, he's not deflecting it, batting it up in the air, right? So you have to give the defense credit credit for that, even if that was a misread between Goff and his tight end, right? So what I'm looking at is three, three and outs, and then a pick six. 
They were up. Also, Darius right. Slay dropped a easy interception too, and that would and they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive too. They probably should had should have had two takeaways. The Eagles didn't turn the ball over. You know, they're plus one in the turnover department. Penalties. If you watch any NFL games this this week, week one, there were a ton of penalties. Sloppy football week one, regardless of how people prepare. And the Lions had hard knocks, and everybody made a big deal about how they were hitting, how they were preparing. They were off on not on the same page, you know, on some passing routes. You know, they made a, a bunch of mistakes at the same time too. So everybody who force fed us this thing of the Eagles aren't going to be ready. They're not practicing hard enough. They're not practicing long enough. It turned out to be complete, one hundred percent unfiltered bullshit. It was it, because they went down seven, nothing. Yes. And the defense did not play well throughout the entirety of the game. They let the Lions back into the game, but they were up 21 to seven. They were up 24 to 14 at halftime. You cannot make a credible case that they were not ready or not prepared to play the game. There's a difference between being prepared and being ready versus just not playing very well, you know? And that was, a, that looked like a hostile environment, man. That crowd sounded great on television. The Lions looked like they were up for it. So give them some credit at the same time too. I mean, maybe we're all wrong and the Lions aren't dog shit and they turn out to be okay this year. So I'm just, I like, I like your point right there. I think this will be a good win when it's all said and done, when you look back on the season, I think, wow, the Lions actually finished maybe second in the uh, NFC North. Well, it could very well be. And, and look, Green Bay doesn't look very good. You know, I know Chicago got the win, you know, in crappy elements there, but I, you know, maybe the, the NFC North looks a little different than it, than it has, you know, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not going to sit here and listen to people say like, you know, well, you know, they, they've gave up 35 points. Obviously they weren't prepared. No, man, they were up 21 to seven. And then they led, they kept the lead for the rest of the game. And what the hell do you want? Like they were ready. You can, you can say that they didn't play very well and that they made mistakes defensively, which is true. But to say that they were not prepared because of like some fugazi bullshit you were feeding us during the summer, that just was not true. That was verifiably untrue. You're 100% right. What do you think of the whole uh, Jalen Hurts can't run? Obviously, 17 runs, when you when you look at the kneel downs and everything, it goes back down to 14. And then when you look at the designed runs, it goes to about eight. Blitz 50% of the time. I mean, they were coming all day, the Lions defensive line. They were sending uh, everybody. I think it's uh, Aaron Glenn, who's the defensive coordinator for the Lions. What do you think about that? I, I think the 17 or even the 14 let's go runs is kind of goosed up because it seemed like he was running for his life. And you could tell me the Eagles don't win that game without Jalen Hurts and his ability to what he was doing on the run on definitely third down. Yeah, I mean, look, of course you don't want him running that many times. You know, I mean, some of it there, there's there's a there's various things that contribute to that. Number one, they do call some designed runs. Okay. So he's a running quarterback, he's gonna have some designed runs. He's gonna break the pocket and you know, when protection breaks down. Uh, but again, he's running with without the, in, the intention of running. He's just running because he has to. Right. So when you're making the that's the discrepancy I think that has to be made here when you're talking about, oh, they're you know, he's running too much okay he's not always trying to do that on purpose that's not always the plan you know even if you call a zone read right and he pulls it and he reads a defensive end you know there's it could go either way on that kind of play so you know your numbers are going to get bloated based on just what he is and the type of offense that they run you know it is what it is he's not you know they, they there's variation because of that. You know you could go anywhere from 12 runs a game to 25 based on if he's get if the offensive line can't block anybody. So I think that's kind of an overrated topic. I mean I think we always knew no nobody in their in their right mind I believe ever thought that Jalen Hurts was just going to like develop into some like pocket passer. You know his legs are the strongest part of his his game. That's always been a huge deal for him. So to to think that he's not going to run it a lot is is you know is what it's naive, right? Yeah, I also kind of enjoyed that 
it was a very well balanced offensive game. I think they ran for two sixty on the ground. Yeah. But I mean, then you have AJ Brown had one hundred and fifty five yards. Obviously, yeah. Devontae Smith, you know, a couple targets, no catches, and whatnot. But uh, Dallas targets, Goddard yeah. had a big play. Like, yeah. I, I I like that. It's it's more of a balanced offense, and and games are going to be won in different ways. You're going to scheme differently against yeah. the Vikings this year than you're going to scheme against the Detroit Lions. Like some some days, you know, maybe we will have to rely on the ground 260 yards, but some days we are going to have to rely on A.J. Brown, and it was awesome to see that A.J. Brown is exactly who we thought we were, the guy that we paid $100 million for, the yeah. guy who's only, what, 24, 25, we're going to have him for a second contract, and he's still in his prime. I mean, Crazy. You, 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 yeah. you, you can't – you can be mad. But you can't be that mad when you really take a step back and you look at everything that yeah. kind of clicked on Here's, every cylinder. Let me like specify my point here. It's not that people can't be mad. I mean, if you're going to gatekeep how fans are going to feel or how they're going to behave, it's pointless, right? Like nobody's saying it's got to be sunshine and puppies and rainbows all the time, you know. But I think the difference that, that, that I would like to kind of clear up is like I feel like, Kyle, people are people are looking for that. Yeah, They're looking to be negative. They're like searching for it. They're like, well, they're up 21-7, but – you know, well, they just scored. The Lions just scored. I, you know, I told you, you know, they weren't ready for like to the point where I'm like sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I, I get it, man. Like, if if you're gonna be um, concerned about the defense or you're gonna like hang on stuff like that, that's that's fine. Like, but I wonder, like, are you are people enjoying this experience? Like, are you watching the game? Yeah. Are you having a good time? Or are you like? You know, excited about AJ Brown. Are you so disappointed about the defense that you're like, it's like shitting all the, over your whole experience? Like, to, at the end of the day, man, it's still like entertainment. It's supposed to be fun and you're supposed to enjoy this whole thing. And I just feel like there's a lot of people out there who are just like waiting for that first negative thing to happen. And then it just like sours the whole, the whole ecosystem and the whole mood to the point where I'm just like, man, is this like, are we having fun here? You know, like, like, cause there's a lot of stuff to watch and enjoy, man. And, you can be pragmatic and you can focus on the highlight, the negatives and say, you got to fix that, but you could highlight the positives at the same time. I just say, it feels like people are just like, have this preconceived notion that like, well, once one bad thing happens, mm-hmm. I'm going to over, over analyze that or overvalue that versus the, the positive things that I'm seeing. And it just feels like it just make it just makes the whole, I don't, I don't feel good about the whole like environment and ecosystem around like Eagles fans. There's, you know, there's no concession. Like if you make a good point, there's no concession being like, you know what? That was a fair point. There's more like, hey, you're wrong. And then there's like no response. And that's that sucks yeah. because we do it through we yeah. do it through a computer and our phones and stuff. We don't have, you know, as much. We're not able to have as much face-to-face conversations anymore. But I, I, I will defend Eagles fans in a certain way that it's like we have lost some backbreakers and it's been a history of backbreakers now. A lot of yeah. that went out the went out the window when they won the Super Bowl. I'll be completely honest in terms of in terms of my thought. But you know, there was that Panthers game a couple of years ago when they lose in the fourth quarter. Uh, there have been other fourth quarter comebacks. I mean, two thousand to two thousand and four, yeah. them losing four straight times the NFC Championship division. Like we've seen more lows than we've seen highs. So I feel like people are kind of always like, yeah, shit. Here I guess so. Again. I guess so. I just my thing is like. It's a long season, man. And if Jonathan Gannon turns out to totally stink and the defense stinks and this becomes a thing, like we've got the whole rest of the season to do, like just like focus on hyper negative stuff, you know? And so it's like, let's just try to hold on a little bit before we get there, you know? Like just try to sides. Week one on the road, man. Look, I, I, you take a road win any way you can get it, dude. I, and I, you got the whole, you got the rest of September, October, November, December to just be super negative about all that stuff. And so just try, like, I don't know. Just try to get people to like take a step back and just breathe a little bit and try to, you know, you you can be critical of the defense. They didn't play that great, obviously, you know, but like just try to at least like don't work yourself up into such a like like frenzy that it's just like this like, you know, mm-hmm. 
you know, this, this closet of negativity all the time. I mean, cause I think, I think we can rise above that and at least try to be a little bit more rational with all these things. I don't know. Maybe we can't. Yeah. So that's why I was well, bitching at Kincaid and I were bitching back and forth at each other. Cause I'm like, okay, well let's just try not to perpetuate this in the media, you know, because yeah. it starts hard. with them. Well, it's our job more than anybody to try to like, if we're not calling it down the middle, then who is, you know? So that's, that's why I've always felt like there's a responsibility for us to, at least try to be rational about it, you know? Well, good news is we could talk to somebody who knows what it's like to win on the road. Colin Thompson is here. <laughs> What's up, Colin? We lost at home this weekend. Though. I know you did. I know, I know. But you've, you've had some wins on the road and yeah. everything. And, but that I was have. bullshit. I mean, fake spike, spike, you know, I mean, know the rules, refs. I know you really can't talk on that. I don't want you to get a $15,000 fine for uh, talking <laughs> about the refs. But we here at Crossing Broad know that was a bullshit loss this uh this week uh colin thompson not for long media founder current uh panthers tight end former owls tight end temple football i love represent i went there um we wanted to really have you born thanks for coming on first of all to break down some of the nfc's we just talked about the eagles uh and 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 how you know this fan base is 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 happy we won on the road we want to know and everything and then kind of like you know what but this happened but this but happened, Eagles this happened. fans are miserable right because it wasn't, a, it wasn't let's say 31 10 mm-hmm. uh because that's not realistic football folks yeah well look at every game across the nfl like they're all like that and i was yeah. talking about it last week on the pod with uh jack connell thanks to jack for setting us up with you guys too i Appreciate you guys' patience with it, but um, like every game's going to be close. Every team is is in it. I said on the pod before, like Jacksonville, who had the first pick, like you could pick them to be a playoff team this year. And I don't think people think you're crazy. Now the AFC obviously is loaded with with teams, but Jacksonville, like Doug Peterson, the additions they made, like Trevor Lawrence in his second year, you, you can make an argument that hey, listen, I think Jacksonville's. There's no team in the NFL where you're like that's a dumpster fire. Um, in my opinion, I think everybody's got players and have quarterbacks that are adequate, great, whatever they may be, and can win football games. So I think that's just how it's going to be. This is the NFL. Everything comes down to the final five minutes of the game. Everything comes down to how you execute in situational football. We saw last night in Sunday Night Football, <laughs> right? Or Monday Night Football, right? That's how it goes, though. Like, it's, it's, I know everyone like tries to treat it like fantasy. It's like, add this quarterback, add this receiver, add this defensive end, but, it's really not. It's it's culture. It's like your program. It's all that stuff. How hard is it to win on the road? That's just the first question I want to know. It's it seems like it's like that was the Lions Super Bowl. They're coming off the hard knocks. They're they're jacked up and everything. Uh, their first sellout since 2019. Like when you're in there and you're on the road, I don't care if you're the most superhuman athlete ever. Like you still have to get a little bit of butterflies for games. Well, it, this is what I was talking to my wife, Sydney, about last night. It, it's not so much the butterflies before games because it's kind of fun going in that environment. It gives you some juice and some adrenaline that, you know, maybe at home you're going to get. But especially during COVID, it was really hard because you're like no juice, no energy, no adrenaline. That was really tough. The COVID 2020 year. Last year, obviously, fans are back. But it's not so much the juice. It's during the game. I don't think fans understand that when you play, especially it affects the tight end position. We're the farthest person from the football on the road. You cannot go into cadence. So you have to peak the ball out of the corner of your eye, and then you have to go execute your job. So the highest paid man on the team is usually someone who lines up outside of you, TJ Watt, Hassan Reddick, uh, who, you name them, Khalil Mack, Bosa, right? They're all right there. For us, Brian Burns, like we have tons of studs. 
So like they're, you're looking inside at the ball and then you got to go reach that guy because you're running outside zone behind you or you have to take the right pass set. So if you miss by like six inches in the NFL, like it's a catastrophic play. Like my worst NFL game was actually against the Eagles last year and that was devastating for me. Because, you know, I'm from there. I want to put a solid game down. We had 20 people in town, maybe more. I knew probably 50 people at the game. And I missed my aiming point by two inches on the backside of a cutoff against Barrett. He threw me down. Sam Darnold took off, right? And everyone's like ripping Sam, but it's like, no, they should be ripping me. Like, I missed my block. (laughs) So that's the effect of the road is on the offense to function as an offensive line group. Usually you can communicate here. The protection goes here. Hey, we're we're working this double team there. It, it, it nullifies that, and you can't do that. And that is so hard because that's your advantage over the defense. Is I know where I'm going, and I know the snap count. Well, if you don't know the snap count, and then you have to peek inside a ball, and you don't know where you're going, you lose some advantage. So that's why you see places like Seattle, these really tough places to play on the road, especially domes. Um, they're just they're just debilitating for offenses. It's not that guys don't want to perform. It's just you're you just it's a whole nother language you have to speak. Yeah. Kev, you got anything? No, I was just going to say in general, like it, it's, it's, you look at like every league uh, on the planet, right? Uh, you go overseas and look at soccer and I don't know, cricket or whatever too. They, I mean, the NFL probably, I think we'd say has the most parity out of any league, like Absolutely. in the world. It just is. I mean, you, you don't, you don't find it's funny. Cause like, you know, Peg and I both watch college football, right? And like you're looking at, say you're like just looking at DraftKings on a Saturday or something. You see like 30 point spreads, 35 points, but all this crazy stuff, you know? You just go back and look at it in the NFL. I'm like, it's it's ultra rare for any team to ever have like a double digit spread or anything like that. And you looked at all the ups. I mean, you look at like 2020 Colts and Texans. You know, you look at Gino, my guy Gino Smith looking like the, <laughs> like a throwback from 10 years ago last night. You know, so it just, I, I think that's what people got to realize is like, and the Eagles fans talking about the Lions having not been a great franchise over the years. I mean, that's yeah, a good football team, though. We don't, we don't know what they were going to be. That's a good football team. Obviously, we've got to see a little bit of hard knocks, right? But I mean, they play well. Like the bottom line is like they have, they have good players too, they have a good quarterback too. Uh, they have good offensive linemen too. One of them used to play for the Eagles and Vitae, right? Like they yeah. have an yeah. edge rusher. They have corners. They like so, and and I think a lot of it's changed over the years. The parity's become better, and I think a lot the NBA's affected that. The NBA has affected everybody with the player movement. And I want to go here, and I want to go there. Like it's affected the NHL. I'm a huge Flyers fan. Like it's affected. Uh, you know, it's affected the NFL. You see guys making these massive trades, Russell Wilson type trades, Tyree Kill type trades, like Baker Mayfield type trades. Yeah, like Sam Darnold was a trade, right? Like that, it's rolling. Like there's no, there's no like, well, we're gonna build for the future. It's like, no, we're gonna rebuild and go as as we move. I think, like even in like for us in Carolina, I think we were um, zero and seven in like four score in like four point games last year. Like, imagine if you win half of them, we went, we go, we go 500, right? And then all of a sudden you're a different, it's a whole, well, Carolina Panthers, you know, Matt Rule, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. But like, again, that's why I always defend Coach Rule. It's like, well, I miss my block. Like, is that on Coach Rule? Like, is it, everyone rips him, right? Or rips other people? Like, no, it's really on me or it's on one of my teammates who did. Like, at the end of the day, like, the coach is going to do what they can to get you prepared, but you have to go execute as a player. Um, but you know, I digress. I want to go down that rabbit hole, but that's my point of like yeah. every game comes down to a really close game. 
you know, and if you can execute in those situations at the end of the game, you're going to win a lot of games. True. Yeah. Fourth and one for the, uh, for the birds, Jalen hurts, you know, QB sneak right now. We don't get that. They're going down, you know, minute 32 minutes to, to tie it up. Um, yeah. You did mention uh, player movement. So I actually want to ask you, you know, Baker Mayfield comes over huge signing, obviously was a huge, you know, drama. You watch it all in sports center, blah, blah, blah. You probably love Sam Darnold. He was your QB one last year and whatnot. What is just like that, acclimating somebody that close to the season into the locker room. It's got to be absolutely insane because obviously Matt Rule comes out, says there's going to be a QB competition. You're watching Sports Center. You're seeing all this drama happen and everything. You see the guy on progressive commercials every single Sunday. That's the only reason. That's the only way you know this guy unless you had a relationship with him before. How is it like kind of acclimating that, you know, uh, a month before the season? It's a great question. I credit Sam Darnold and the other quarterbacks. Because, and Sam and Baker are like great friends. I think it's funny, right? Like our world sees all these other things and then you like if you like watch at halftime like all the players when we cross fields and go to each other's like locker rooms like every guy takes a second and like says hi to one of their buddies like the league is really close right we're all one union we're all trying to move forward change our families' lives like we're all in this together right but of course there's some animosity on the field and that doesn't take away from it don't get me wrong I digress I'm all over the place but my point is Sam and Baker are, are friends I give Sam a ton of credit because they competed and then we're out to dinner that night, right? Like nothing is going on. And that's a hard thing to do. Someone brings in to replace you, yeah. um, right? That's our business though. Like that's the maturity of Sam. That's the maturity of Baker. How hard is it to assimilate? Extremely hard, especially in that position. Take what people think of the quarterback position in times of by a thousand. That's how hard it is. Like literally these guys have to do crazy things and make our jobs look easy. Like it's ridiculous, this position. These guys are the top hundred of them in the world are the most ridiculous athletes to ever walk the planet. They may not be able to run fast like Tom Brady, but their minds are just ridiculous how they act and how they function. And like the way they can process what a coach is saying to them after just getting crushed, running across like on a sack and then the coach is pumping the next play in. But for Baker, like he worked his ass off, you know, the whole story He's in at five 30 in the morning every day and he's grinding and like to learn an offense in 35 days and then go execute it on a Sunday. Mm-hmm pretty impressive it's a credit to him um he's exactly what you think he is personality wise big personality big competitor just he's like a bro like guy you want to have a beer with great guy him and sam are are like i mean like you said i'm a big sam donald fan he's become a friend he's a warrior like he takes a lot of smack that he does not deserve that's a good nfl quarterback um but we got to perform better for him i need to and i made some mistakes last year that led to him you know not doing well and that's on me but you know he i mean Sam's funny. I always say like Sam's like the California quarterback who's like the big USC guy who's 6'4", 225, like almost like the Elway type build, right? And then you have like who was like the top recruit and everybody knows about him. And then you have like Baker who like no one knew anything about him, was a walker on a Texas Tech. Then earned his way on the field at Oklahoma. And then all of a sudden you could become the number one pick overall. And then like just crazy, like the guys that – such an impressive they both are and getting to know Baker has been great too. Just a freaking warrior, just a leader. Um, you know, well, they are pointing up for us for sure. Your uh, high school situation was, I would say more in the Sam Darnold aspect of it. I mean, number two tight end in the nation coming out, like offers from Florida, Bama, Penn state, Michigan state, like top tier programs. I got to know what, what are the recruiting visits like for a top 150 recruit? I just imagine it's like he got game. I don't know if you ever seen that with Jesus Shuttlesworth and everything. He goes, visits Tech University. Uh, he's got Rick Fox showing him around there. He's coming out of the tunnel. They're playing a package. There might be some Buffies. There might be some Susies. I don't know. But what are they like? 
Well, it's a great, I have, I have lots of good stories. I'll say this. It's not hard with me. When we were in Gainesville, Florida, and it's freaking beautiful outside, and the freaking stadium's like pouring out with 90,000 people going crazy, and you get to go to a bar. Not that I would ever do that underage, but just say we did, and you get to hang out and like look around and like see this just magic, and you're like, oh my God. I went to Penn State as a kid, and that's great, but this has palm trees. Everyone is happy. Sure. It's sunny. They just won a national title. Like, uh, I want to go here, play for Charlie Weiss. It was Charlie Weiss at the time. And then Charlie Weiss left um, my senior year um, and then took the Kansas job. And then they brought in another office coordinator. But yeah, that's why I went to Florida. I mean, the depth chart was unreal. They were switching from like a spread offense, Urban Meyer stuff to like a pro style. They went a bigger tight end. So that's why I went there. They had Ur- t- the only tight on the roster was Jordan Reed, who, wow, to me, if tight, he's healthy, tight end you. Yeah. dude, if he's healthy, he's all famer. Like that guy, is the sickest hands and the sickest feet I've ever seen on a human being, like better than wideouts. I mean, people, Eagles fans know about him. I mean, uh, it's a shame he got beat up. He got beat up in college too. And he still was dominant in the league, still pro bowler, still got paid. But, um, so Will Will Muschamp was your, uh, was the head coach then, right? Yes. Will Muschamp. And then Dan Quinn was a defensive coordinator. Sheesh. Where, um, staff was loaded. Dan was part of the, what part of the trip did they drop the bag? No bag for me, man. I told you. Literally for me, it was like, like, like I'm not even gonna. Yeah, for me, <laughs> for me, I don't want to say cold beer. Well, I was whatever. Yeah. For me, it was like cold Actually, beer. Limitations but, is over. I was seeing people drink cold beer, yes. uh, sunshine, and like craziness. I got a great story. So when I was playing in Florida, and I was hurt a lot, I got medically disqualified. That's why I left. I didn't leave on my own. The, the team pulled my scholarship. And said, listen, football's over. You never play football again. Career's over. Too many injuries to your feet. I had the Joel Embiid navicular stress fracture. I had two Jones fractures on the right foot. Mm-hmm. It's a little political. But I was like, I'm like, I want to play in the NFL. And thank God I went to Temple, man. I found a PT and Coach Rule and everybody freaking saved my life. But um, I just saw a comment on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever you want it. Has Temple University called Colin Thompson to be the head coach for the Temple football for the Temple football team? No, actually, a reporter who's a buddy of mine last year he put that out in the paper. I'm like, don't put that out there. He's like, no, I think you'd be a good candidate. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'll apply for the job. They never asked me, um, but I was I was at Florida and we just beat like LSU. It was a crazy game. I was like, oh, LSU was like Odell, Jarvis Landry, Hill. Like those teams were sick when I was in the SEC. It was like the Aaron Murray teams in Georgia, the Bama teams with AJ McCarron, Julio Jones, like. I was literally sitting there like, this is the craziest, this is a whole nother level of football. Like, and I got to see it with my own two eyes. And um, I'll never forget, I was walking home from the game and someone's like, Colin, great job on the sidelines today. Cause I was like, I always like twirl the towel and like gate guys Gatorade and cool guys off. And like there it's crazy. Like you can literally like almost like an Eagles game, like a player turns around and starts twirling on the towel, the place will stand up. Like, but times that times 10, in college football it's and almost backwards man it's like i I'm sorry to interrupt but like no, down, down there it's like like high school they don't football. care about the nfl no they don't care about the nfl i mean it was like it was sunday was like the most low-key football day of the weekend because it's like you got your big local high school team like a five thousand people in that stadium and then like sec just like domination i i honestly would i i think like every pre- everybody from the philadelphia region who only knows pro football should be forced to like do a pilgrimage down there and like do a sabbatical and live, live, live like a year, like it's in SEC country. Because it's just, it's a different world entirely. You know, it's an absolutely great point. It's almost like how I picked a premier league team. It's like, okay, like who's scrappy, who's good. Who's not elite <laughs> Tottenham. 
Tom, let's go Hotspurs, baby. <laughs> you think you're maybe muted, but yeah. So uh, long story short for me, man, I'm a huge Hotspurs fan. He got, he got so excited about the Tottenham thing that he muted. <laughs> Come on, Kane. So long story short, like I became a Tottenham Hotspurs fan because I met, we go to Key West, Florida a lot and, you know, kind of second home in a way. And I've gotten to know a lot of people there. My uncle has a bar there. Shout out to Shots and Giggles. I know a lot of Philly people go down there. It's right behind uh, Sloppy Joe's. He's an Eagles fan. It's an NFC East bar. So they're always down there. But, um, but uh, I met three people in a row the same day that uh, three days in a row, excuse me, they were all Tottenham fans. I'm like, boom, my buddy was a Liverpool fan. He got me into premier league. Oh yeah. And I was like, I can't be a Liverpool fan, man. I can't, they just want it. Like I root for the Patriots. So that's my point is like people should just pick a team in the SEC, Mississippi state, South Carolina, and go to these games they are incredible. Like, yeah, they're incredible. It's 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 the closest thing you're going to find to what the Eagles have and their fans, um, where it's a combination of some craziness and some fun. You don't really find that in the NFL, like the true crazy passion of a game the, where everybody knows football, too, mm-hmm. in Philly. Right. A yeah. lot of fan bases. Close to maybe, time. Yeah. But, well, listen, I'm not saying there's <laughs> there's some understanding of what's going on. But everybody there is, down there, there is. I, I lived. So I lived in Augusta. Right. So we had. Oh, it was like dog. mostly mostly Georgia fans, but like you're right on the border with Carolina, right? Like Columbia is only an hour. And you, we'd go to these bars on Saturday. There'd be like a mom there with her full Alabama gear, and she's got two kids in a stroller. It knows every single guy on the roster, knows the playbook, knows all the coaches and everything. But it's just it, – it was just and like – the recruiting classes, they know how many stars you had. The and recruiting classes. Crazy. Yeah. This goes back to my Florida story. So yeah. I'm run. I'm was. I end up, you know, high ranked tight end, and, and they knew people knew who I was like around campus. Like I never even played a snap there. Yeah. I ended up playing a lot my second year early on, like on special teams and getting some snaps. But then I got hurt again. That was it. But I was walking home from a game that day, and I remember walking home and like just it was crazy. We played Tennessee. I wasn't in a boot actually. We played Tennessee. It was my last game in Florida, and I was walking home. I lived like yeah. ten blocks from the stadium. Not it was they're quick. It's not far, and. Like you're walking through the middle of these tailgates and someone's like, Colin, great job today. And I played like fourth tight end. I got in in garbage time and I was on special teams. You want a beer? And they just launched me a beer. I made this catch over. <laughs> and I was like, this is incredible. Like yeah. this is the greatest place. And it's funny enough, the sad part is I got home and I'm actually meeting my wife that, that later that night. And I was like, man, I made it. This is Mecca. And then I woke up Sunday morning and my foot was kind of throbbing. And then I got an MRI and I had a navicular stress fracture. And that was it. That's like a triggering word, the navicular, man. That brings me back to all that Joel and B. People thought like Joel's and, you know, people got all upset about Joel. And, you know, he's got to play and he's not tough. I'm like, no, no, no. This is. This is like the one bone in the foot that they don't know how to really work on. Um, yeah, yeah. So but that's funny because his—I mean, like his story really is not that dissimilar from yours. I mean, because there were there were a lot of people back then saying like, like yeah. "It's not like he's not going to ever be anything," you know. Now he's well, like runner MVP yeah. runner up. You know, the only I mean, difference is I, I don't think I'll ever be the MVP of the NFL. Um, <laughs> not yet. Not with that attitude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think I know where I stand in this league, but um, yeah, Joel's been all right, right? I mean, he's doing okay. The patience right. and the time management and all that stuff, like, look at him. I mean, holy cow, he's should have won. Are you uh, are you bummed out that you just missed the uh, the NIL uh, land? I would land say trip? that. You know, I I wasn't anywhere near our best player at Temple by, by a stretch. We got 26, 27 guys in the league. I think we had forty guys in NFL training camps. We have a bunch of guys in the CFL. Those teams were just crazy good. I I transferred into it. I was like, this is unreal half these guys should be playing in florida this is weird um 
I thought this place was supposed to be bad, you know? And then it was like every coach is in the NFL, every player is in the NFL. Um, I digress. I'm sorry. I got off on a tangent. What the heck was your no, – you I'll, I'll make a bigger point oh, NIL. Though, because, yeah, I mean, it's not even – I mean, look at what the transfer portal is now. And, like, the, the story that we always bring up on this show is, like, Jordan Addison was at Pitt, was the um, – the an award winner and he's just like i'm going to usc because they're going to pay me more yeah well the yeah. temple just started the temple fund they just started the saw that. Fund. Yeah. there's a couple yeah. more things going on there i'll say this i would just want like for temple just like a bar tab at maxi's and just like so i can get like pizza late night and like go and have drinks like <laughs> that's all I, yeah. and i'll just like walk out every game like holding a maxi sign up like i'll wear the maxi shirt into the game like yeah i love that. like the swamp in gainesville was the bar of the week this week on my show and they just rebuilt it like just to sit there and like have a couple of pitchers of beer and like a couple of buff chick wraps, I, I would have been just, I don't need any cash. You know, more I'm, colleges need bars on campus like Maxie's. Correct. With this good pizza, no doubt. When I got there, I was like, wait, there's a bar right yeah. here, right next to class. Do the people go to school here? How does And now work? it's right next, right across the street from the library, which is even better. Correct. I Correct. mean, it's the best. Um, you know, me and you have actually pretty similar college careers. Well, my college career and your professional career. Uh, I had one basket in college, D3 ball, Washington College, not to brag, shot 100% from the field. Your first touch in the NFL was a touchdown. So, like, but, like, I went back and I watched it. They didn't give you a cartoon guy, so I made you a cartoon guy. Wow. Uh, Dave, if you can bring it up, we got a – we should have a cartoon guy. But uh, what do you feel about that? I mean, your first touchdown of all time. Yeah, man. And you don't get the crazy bulging muscles cartoon guy. From oh, 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 like everybody else has with Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that? And I tell everybody, like, we were on we were on Fox that day, but every game was on Fox that day because a Master Sunday got pushed back. Okay. Oh, from, yeah. From April to that weekend. Yeah. So what makes that weird was the visibility was it was crazy because it was the second touchdown of the day, and it was like the first live break-in. So everyone in Philly got to see it. Like, we're going to go live to Carolina against the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady. And the visibility on the touchdown was way more than it normally is because there was no CBS. So the live break in across the country was a touchdown in Carolina. And there I am. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So we made <laughs> that for you. Look at the arm. Look at the arm. Yeah. Like, uh, that's a spinning image. The brown hair, the smile, the 86 <laughs> on the chest. Look at the 86. I mean, that's that, that that's the best part of it. That's a great job, man. Yeah, that it looks like he's wearing like two casts on both of his arms. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's, I it's banged not up, a right? I was told I'll never play football again. Yeah, that's, so yeah, it looks that is good. true. I did for I forgot the boot, but um, if you want that, I'm sure you have a picture in your house somewhere of your first touchdown. I'll send this one over to you after we're done here too. I have the ball. It's in my dad's bar in Cape May. He's uh, yeah. The day I I tracked that from the bar, you know, I don't know how he's not. He's not going to be happy about that. It probably never will. Probably never leave. It's still in the bunker in, in Cape May there. Um, I, so I went to Temple, graduated uh, 2015. So I was there for the oh, Notre sweet. Dame Temple game. Um, college game day. You guys are 7-0. Besides you guys sacking Christian Hackerberg 10 times that year, that's like the one of the top 10 moments of, of my Philadelphia fanhood. Like, no doubt. Like, that's when Temple football was on the map, and we hope to one day get back there. Uh, I gotta, I gotta know, like, what was that week like leading up to it, and when did you guys kind of know that like you could play with this Notre Dame team? Well, I think we knew we could play with them from the jump. I know we had the players to play with them. Their team was loaded, right? But I think what people don't realize is like what happened all before that. Like the UMass game, we were supposed we were losing to UMass by 
by I always get it confused. It was two, and then you guys ran back the block extra four. point, right? It was four. We were down four. four. Okay. They were ready to kick an extra point to go up five yes. with like 30 seconds left. We block the extra point, scoop score, get tackled, pitch it back, go score the two-point conversion, go down by two. PJ Walker, Keith Kirkwood, Robbie Anderson, Ventel Bryant, bing bang, boom, down the field. Austin Jones walk-off kick. Awesome. We won by one against UMass. We won by one against ECU the week before Notre Dame. So imagine if we lose those games. Like That was a Thursday night, right? Because ECU was. was rocking. I remember that. Rocking. It was loud. Yeah. So my point is, like, we got fortunate that year with a couple things. And then you beat Penn State, and everyone's like, oh, season's over. It's like, well, it's the first game of the year. Like, not really. So if you go one and whatever, 10, no one really gives a shit. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it was it was crazy, man. The week leading up to Notre Dame, obviously, we went in undefeated. Uh a lot of nerves, you know, I think a lot of nerves from players, from coaches that won't admit it. I'll admit it. It was a nerve situation. You're going on the biggest stage. We already beat Penn State, so the confidence there. But, you know, you got college game day, you a lot of distractions. The coaches are all worried about the distractions. It's like, oh, it's a night game, right? So it was rocking at the link. I mean, that was a true college football atmosphere. Probably seventy-five percent Notre Dame fans. Eh, no, 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 no. I, I disagree. I disagree. Temple 50, showed 50, out that day. 50-50. Penn we, State. Uh, Penn State I, was a lot. We didn't win. Yeah, we didn't win the game. But I'll tell you what, Temple won the tailgate. I'll oh, of course they did. That. Just like every single one, they'll <laughs> yeah. show up to. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Halloween night. We might not always go in. Like homecoming. I'm going to homecoming this weekend. I'm not going in. But you know what? I was there. I was there tailgating. The Temple tailgate. I say this all the time for a family of four for whatever to go to a game it's way more affordable than eagles game obviously yes, you get to see you know some football mm-hmm. go halftime get lunch in the city boom you're home by like five o'clock if it's like a noon game like it's it's a good weekend strategy you can tailgate you can park for cheap and park right next to the stadium mm-hmm. it, it's it's bang for your buck wise if you don't want to go into the game you go over to xfinity hop over to chickies you know there's there's a there's a stuff to do i don't know i'm 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 a fan of that. I've always wondered why people didn't, more people didn't do it. I get it. There's better stuff to do on your Saturday, but if you want to go to some action and you can't afford to go to a Eagles game, cause they're just ridiculous. NFL games are just crazy expensive now. Um, you know, I would do temple games are awesome, man. I think we're in the right direction though. Stan Drayton's the guy. I hope so. The, the last regime this, was not this good. city. You guys are a testament to it. This city will get behind temple football. Well, well, I think there's a lot that needs to happen. This, it's a shame the stadium didn't get built while we were there. There was a lot of momentum yeah. behind it, and then yeah. people pushed back on it, and it kind of got squashed. But, yeah, and it, the Temple football is, you know, when they're rolling football-wise, it's a good thing for the city because there's really no college football team. So it, it, that's why the college game day was crazy because it was like kids from Dre- Drexel had, like, buses. Nova had, like, bus services. To get, like People were, like, coming in droves like the five six seven big philly schools were pouring in so there was i think it was like the most people ever attended a college football game day like just crazy the whole courtyard yeah. there at the Ruby bell was packed yeah one let thing, me ask you so, let me have right, one thing temple yeah. Yeah. football school or basketball school <laughs> i mean they're no one right now sadly they're, they're, they're a basketball school they will forever be a basketball school they're a basketball school because that, that arena right there there'll always be a basketball school it's a beautiful arena so they're a basketball school. A lot of history. A lot of history, too. Lot John of, Chaney. Lot. Shout out John Chaney. Shout out Fran Duffy. Shout out Harry Lilbeck. Um, quick story and then a question for both of you, actually. So I was at Channel 3 back then when the when Temple beat Penn State. And uh, I was a producer. I was a sports producer. And I remember, like, the day of, like, biggest 
victory and temple program in forever. Right. And my executive producer says, Hey, we got Matt rule coming in tonight. I'm like, what are you talking about? We got Matt rule coming in tonight. He's like, he's going to come like into the state, come to the station and do like a little three minute, 10 minute thing with us. I mean, I'm like, he's coming, he's physically coming to the, to the station to do rep on spring garden street, you know? And he's like, yeah, he's going to come in and do a thing, which I just thought was insane because the dude just had the biggest win like of his entire life programs, biggest win in forever. And like, we're not ESPN. We're not Fox sports or whatever. It's like eyewitness news in Philadelphia. A guy, I can understand that I was to do something on the phone or we get him like on video or something, but he like literally came with like the PR guy and they came up the elevator and they went to the studio and did everything. But that, that always said a lot to me about him because like he cared about the local news stations and like, you know, understood like the hyper locality of all that. I mean, can you imagine like Nick Saban going to like CBS Birmingham or, or I don't even yeah. know if they have a thing in Tuscaloosa after, after Alabama wins Birmingham. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it just was crazy to me, but here's the question. Like if the on-campus stadium is not going to be a thing and we say like the link is the link and maybe it's not sustainable for the future, then what's, what's the in-between? Like, what is the answer there? You know, like what, what, what do you do at the temple football stadium going forward? You're saying they don't build one. Yeah, if they don't build one on campus, but if you're of, of the belief that the link is not sustainable and you want to get into your own place, I mean, do you it's look at a different location? Man. Like, what do you have? What's the path forward? You know, another thing that you know, Temple pays a lot of money to play there, and they pay a lot of money for all the other things that come with it. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's an a la carte situation. The firework, yeah. the painting of the field, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the only answer, personally, is build a stadium. Me too. You have to have yeah. to find a way. You have to yeah. find a way. If it's a building on campus in a place that's already allotted and got blessed for property. If it's. Well, there's that stadium right behind the view that obviously some stuff would have to be knocked down for. But yeah. It has to be on campus. You can't block roads. That's the whole thing with the, there the, are going to be people who hate it. Obviously there are there are people who've lived there 40 years of their lives, you know, right behind it and everything. And I get it. And I get all that. I, I yeah. just think it's such a, such a huge impact on so many people. I think it'd be selfish to say that mm-hmm. this won't impact a ton of people. You know what? It's probably the best thing for the university in the city. The school's paying for it. So if, it's like, if know, there was a way, I, my only thing that I was thinking is if there was a way to pair it with something else, like team up with somebody or do, or do like a, cause another just, college. Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing is like high school. Well, high listen, school, like prep. Play, they'll play the Eastern state final there. Yeah. You know, there'll, there'll be a ton of high school events, all the soccer events. I think it's great too. You have seven on seven tournaments there in the summer. I think it's great for the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a million positives about that. Everyone's like, where do you park? Well, listen, what I don't believe that. I'm the same thing with the Sixers stadium. I don't know the Sixers arena going in the city. Listen, yeah. have you ever been to Fenway park? Have you ever been to Wrigley field? Yeah. Nightmare. Have, Nightmare. Have, yeah. But, but you know what? But it's, it's great. The, Best venue I've yeah. ever been to. Have you ever been to Madison Square Garden? Unreal. Because yeah. you walk out and you're like, all right, where are we going? This yeah. is the coolest thing ever. I'd rather find a way to get a train. I'll drive and just take the, you know, take the train in from Ben Salem or I'll take it from Doylestown. Or like yeah. to me, it's like you find a way and you get to use bars and go out like maxis and do all that fun. Mm-hmm. That's what college towns are like. Like really. Yeah. yeah. There's got to be a way to pay. Can you remember a couple of weeks on the show when you were sharing the thing that Real Madrid was doing where the field goes underneath the thing? I'm not saying like Temple's <laughs> going to pay to put like a field that goes underneath that you can like just roll out of the stadium. But the point being is that like that stadium is like a hub. You know it's, what I'm saying? It's, almost, it's almost like yeah. what Syracuse does with the Carrier Dome, where you play football in there, but then it's shrunk down for basketball. If if they if Temple was like the main tenant 
of a stadium where you got other use out of it. The local high schools are like a basketball championship or something like that. And you could justify it if people say, you're going to have Mark Madness there. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is not just going to be like a thing for Temple football. Like we're going to do all this other stuff with it. Then maybe maybe that's a, a palatable way to well, sell it to people. You know, I think now that they built that uh, field hockey and soccer field on Gerard Ave, I think they're going to connect Gerard Ave to to North Philly one day. And I think if they are able to do that, and they might have to you know buy some people out of their their apartment rent and their you know houses and stuff. But if yeah. they really want to be serious about doing it, it's probably doing that. It's probably connecting Gerard Ave down to Cecil B. Moore. Why don't you call yeah. St. Joe's Prep, man, and be like, "Yo, we'll go half on in on oh, a stadium yeah. with you guys." I mean, they, would, they would do Dude, it. The Nike yeah. Nike would give give Prep half the money for that stuff. I mean, they're on <laughs> they national good TV against St. Thomas Aquinas on ESPN. Yeah. They look good. I was rooting yeah. for the Prep. I got a bunch of buddies that are Prep buddies. I don't want to root for them, but I like Prep. Uh, I'm an Archbishop Wood guy, but yeah, I've got to root for the PCL. Two yeah. greatest tight ends that come out of Archbishop Wood: you and Kyle Pitts. You ever met him? <laughs> yeah, Pitsy. Pitsy and I go back, man. I, I um I remember the first time I met Kyle. Uh, I was at, not at Wood anymore, and I think I was in transition. I think between uh, Temp, Florida and Temple, probably 2014 it was, and at 13. I went back, and Steve Devlin, the head coach, was now the defensive coordinator at your sinus. He's like, dude, you got to come see this kid. All right, I'll come see him. I watch him one run route. I'm like, oh, my God, who is this kid? Uh, he ran full speed, didn't break stride, and broke like an out on a 10-yard out. And I was like, this is a first-round pick, literally. And it – Again, it wasn't like oh, some NFL uh, calling the NFL scout breaking news. No, anybody would have said that. I'm like, oh my god! And then I, he got to Florida, and no one really knew about him recruiting wise. And I, we were texting. I'm like, dude, you got to go. Like, I was at Temple at the time. I'm like, if you don't go to Temple and stay at home, man, Florida's unreal. Like, you're gonna love it. And I remember he was redshirting. They were gonna redshirt him. And my buddy was equipment manager there because at, at Wood, the two Fitzpatrick brothers and I, we all went to. Uh, Florida together and they became equipment guys and uh, long story short they're like the one younger brother because me and the older brother already graduated he's like yo Kyle's tearing up practice yeah. I think they're going to pull his red shirt he's like destroying people in practice like just catching balls of everybody and next game boom he had like two touchdowns and that was it he never red shirted and two years later he's a first round pick high drafted tight end so yeah, yeah. What, what's that? I mean, obviously Kyle Pitts, first round talent, blah, blah, blah. Like he was always kind of destined for stardom, but like uh, you're, you know, like I said, number two tight end in the nation and stuff. What is that kind of like level of competition going from tearing up Archbishop Wood and the PCL to going to Florida and being like, okay, this guy's the best in his state. This guy's the best in his state. This guy's the best in his state. And you're all just going to the same spot. Everyone's bigger, stronger, faster, mature. Uh, the nice thing about Wood is you go in with knowledge of the game of football. Like it's a true program. Like we lift – we, uh, you know, we, you know, uh, watch film. We have a whole preparation. We have study hall. Like we, we have a plan in place where like your whole day is school and football. So when you go to college, it's like, all right, from seven to 5 PM, like all I do is football, um, and school. Right. So I think we do that at Wood, uh, and that's mm -hmm. a, a credit to, you know, the staff and the administration there because it's led well, you know, we have six players in the NFL. We have dozens in college football, um, you know, for where Wood program was before Coach Devlin inherited it to from Coach Kevin on Devlin on to the other coaches that have been there. A lot of great players have come and gone. I think we, we have, like I said, we have six guys in the league now. Yeah, maybe Lanzo Catholic can adopt that. Uh, one more question before we get out of here. I, uh, don't hold your breath. Lanzo Catholic, never matter. Uh, 2004 state champions, though. Who's counting? Try being um, weird now, man. I don't even think we have a football team. Anymore. I love LC, man. A lot of good guys. I know a lot of guys that went there. It's great, great people from LC. Salt of the earth. They have um, a guy. They have a guy starting right tackle for uh, Northwestern right now, Vince Picozzi. 
Really? And, yep. And Bacozzi will probably be, he's going to get in the, he's going to play in the NFL. So they're going to have an NFL player. Go, go, Let's go baby. Go, Joe judge and a guy from Northwestern. That's LC go, football man. right there. I like that. Uh, last one for you. Can we guarantee a win against the giants? We kind of need it. Brian Dable beat up on the Titans. <laughs> and now everyone's one to know, except for the Cowboys. Can we guarantee a win for the Panthers on uh, Sunday? Um, I can guarantee that Chris Meyer won't score another touchdown the rest of the season. No, I'm kidding. That's my I boy. Like that. That's your boy, right? That's my boy, man. Chris Meyer, he, he, now he's one up for me. He's got uh, two targets and now two touchdowns for the New York Giants. Uh, he may get another target or two, but. Um, Dude, what are you yeah. like hitting rule on the side? Like, yo, man, do you see? Do you see he's got two touchdowns now? Let me get it on a little. little uh, yeah. So Chris take- is a Sheldonham guy. Walked on a temple. He's come on my podcast. He's a great friend at my wedding. Um, and yeah, a little block, 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 releasing the flat, wide open touchdown, and uh, they went for two and end up winning the game. So yeah, yeah, Chris is an awesome dude. We were roommates in, go- in college together at Temple, and he's got a he's got a home in New York. So I'm happy for him. He's a great guy. That's all, all right. I can guarantee, though. He may, he may right. score this year. I hope he does. Yeah, don't say anything if you think uh, the Panthers are going to guarantee a win on uh, Sunday. Okay. <laughs> That's too. That's you're too fast for me. I didn't hear what you said. Sorry. Yeah, I mumble a lot. That's the uh, that's the LC uh, education in me right there. Uh, Colin, thanks so much for coming on, man. Love to have you come on during the season. Good luck this year. Go f- go watch the Colin Thompson show. Go follow Not for Long Media. Uh, go watch as the Panthers beat up on the Giants this this weekend, and we move further into our division lead. Hey guys, you guys are uh, first class, man. Uh, only hear and follow and see you guys do awesome things. So appreciate you guys having me on. It means a lot. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks, bro. Thank you, man. Sure. Love it, dude. Temple legend, Colin Thompson. Um, if Stan Drayton doesn't get the program turned around. <laughs> yeah. I just want to. Yeah, just throwing it out there, you know. Just, um, yeah. just throwing it out there. Did you know that LC had a dude at Northwestern? No. Mm. No. No. no, no LC, my following LC, ended when I left. LC, just, it's not a. It's not a program. It's in the PCL. It gets beat up on and everything except for girls volleyball. Until we start recruiting, you know, we're just we're just the uh, the, the the lantern fly of the uh, of the PCL. The spotted lantern fly. Yeah. Of the Everyone PCL. just steps all over us. We lose by thirty to Newman Garetti as they send four guys. <laughs> we to had Penn one State. famous. We had one famous NFL export at Boyertown. Do you, do you know who he is? No. Uh, James Devlin. Jimmy Devlin. Oh shit. Yeah, for the Patriots. Yeah. All right, that's a super champion. Great, right there. He grew up like the next neighborhood down from me, man. Was I was he like, as much yeah. of a psycho back then as he was on the field? Yeah, it's crazy, man. He actually had a wild story to get to the NFL. He went to Brown in the Ivy Smart League. Smart guy, too. Smart guy, yeah. yeah. Um, Boyertown only produced scholars, man, I tell you. Um, <laughs> scholars and, and, and host of the Outdoor Channel. Scholars um, and, and shitty bloggers. Um <laughs> But <laughs> but he, really? he he went to Brown and I think he was like a defensive uh was it was like a defensive end actually in the Ivy League and he latched on with like the Bengals but I think he played in like the uh, the arena uh, some you know lower CFL league CFL arena and, and then AFL, like Bill Belichick of course is like well we can turn this guy into a Super Bowl winning fullback so there you go Boyertown's uh, Gilbertsville's Jimmy Devlin actually I should say hmm. so go figure yeah my my uh, one of my best friends. Was like our all-time leading rusher at Boyertown. So he went to like D three Moravian. There we go. So that's where yeah, we that's, spend, that's where most Boyertown people go. You know. Yeah, one kid went to Princeton from from uh, he was a running back from LC. One kid went to Princeton, and then yeah. RJ RC Lager Marcino, who was part of the two thousand and four ch- state championship team. Awesome. Wow. He went to Princeton, and then another running back went to Navy. So that's basically the claim to fame. Nobody ever made it past there. 
Uh, speaking of smart, Princeton, smart guys. Speaking smart of Princeton, did you know that Ross Tucker and Kyle Brandt both went to Princeton? I knew Kyle Brandt went to Princeton. Did not know Russ Tucker went to Princeton. Russ Tucker, Ross Tucker, yeah. the new host of Wednesdays from seven to nine. So, are yeah. they just doing? So, explain this to me. So, six to seven is Angelo, and nine to ten is Angelo. No, I I think maybe like John Johnson might do the extra hour in the morning, and then like Rhea and Al and them do the hmm. do it with him. I'm, I didn't really catch that. Yeah, they explained it. If you don't know what the hell we're talking about, Angelo announced on. Tuesday morning that Ross Tucker is going to be doing every Wednesday for the rest of football season. Because as you know, Angelo is not working Wednesdays as he approaches uh, retirement. So Ross mm-hmm. Tucker comes in. I, I really like Ross. I think I, I told him like, we got to get him on the show and we can. Yeah. Do I really like him on uh, uh he's really good when he does the preseason games for the Eagles. I don't know how he doesn't have a Fox contract or a CBS contract. Well, I always wondered that. I'm like, yeah, he, well, how doesn't he have a full, maybe he doesn't want, I mean, maybe it's some other situation, but I had figured he would be a guy by now who would be full-time doing something consistent around here. He's a Berks County guy. We've connected on that. We've bonded over our Berks County heritage. Uh, and by the way, just for anybody, cause somebody disputed this on Facebook, I claim Berks County, even though I'm not from Berks County, because technically Boyertown High School was was over the county line, so I hmm. I claim it. But I, we'll we'll do like a Mount Rushmore of uh, Berks County landmarks with him. Yeah. You know, I'll give you the pagoda, maybe Cabela's. Okay. Um, uh, this old, pa- old this f- woods, uh, that woods, this yeah. woods, the uh, only fair, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he but he's so he's doing Wednesdays uh, on the WIP morning show for the rest of um, I think for the rest of the. Eagle season is what they what they said, but that's yeah. good. I thought I thought Ross honestly would have been a good pairing for Glenn on uh, mm. on the weekends when Dinger left, but I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to get Ross uh, Ross Tucker on the show sometime. Yeah, we'll get him. Anything else for today before we kick it? Nah, man. Um, Eagles are one to know. Let's just try to enjoy yeah. it. Jonathan Gannon, I think, was speaking while we were recording this, so I'll go back and see what he had to say. But uh, I'm sure Twitter's on fire right now, so we'll probably have a couple of blogs. Up. Yeah, Jonathan Gannon needs fired. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that is the show crossing broadcast. Guess what we have for Thursday? We have Charlie Manuel coming on Thursday, which will be a lot of fun. So I hope you tune in there. Charlie, old Charlie's coming on. Uh, we're going to talk to him about the fills. We'll talk to him about these uh, shirts that he's selling for charity and whatnot. But thank you so much for Colin Thompson coming on. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, whether you're listening on YouTube or whether you're listening on uh, any podcast uh, station that you have and uh, if you are listening on youtube hit that thumbs up once again thanks for colin thompson coming on thanks to kevin kincaid thanks to dave grizzy on the on the controls on the ones and twos in the background we will talk to you on thursday